you're tuned into Psychic Parrot, the podcast about amazing animals and the strange power of pets with Al and Fred. Welcome back to part two of uh, Famous Animals. Animals in the limelight. <laughs> so, what's next, Al? So, next segment, modern famous animals. Can you give me a modern animal that's hit the celebrity recently? A current animal of fame? Mm-hmm. But I mean, we're in the internet age now where uh, the, the 15 minutes of fame is down to one minute or something. So well, every I, dog video I see, uh, never see the same one. If I said the name Harambe? doesn't ring any sort of bell. So this is, gorillas have been a little bit uh, celebrity recently. Have so they? Harambe was shot because a child fell into his enclosure. Oh, and like people were up in arms about it like this mm. was a like you said it went totally viral for a week and then that was it oh. but massive meme of uh, this gorilla um that lots what of people what did the gorilla do then nothing the, the boy was fine the boy fell down <laughs> walked boy, out the boy then... fell into the enclosure i think the gorilla was a little i think he the gorilla maybe roughed him up a little but mm. i think more or less he was just a bit confused <laughs> And then, good. What are you doing down there? Oh God! Yeah, exactly. Like, I mean, how would you be if you'd found a, a human child when you were a gorilla? Like, I think he if, responded if, as if an eel suddenly found that fell down in my enclosure. Yeah, exactly. Mm. <laughs> Baby eel, <laughs> and they shoot you because they don't want to endanger the eel. <laughs> <laughs> Well, this world building you're doing at the moment where all of a sudden humans are subservient to eels and yeah. we're in this different reality. Like, yeah. where Cedric the Entertainer was in a genie movie. Yeah, <laughs> Copenhagen is an eel zoo. But a lot of people were saying, you know, I would have risked my own life to save that boy. Like, you know, if I'd been there, Harambe mm. didn't need to go. Mm. But I don't necessarily agree with that. I don't think anybody would really come down to the wire unless you were like close to the child jump into a gorilla enclosure yeah well it's for the labrador lawyers to decide if it was a jump or a fall (laughs) what you think the boy was pushed no if he (laughs) deliberately jumped down there or accidentally fell down there okay yeah like if he wanted to go and play with the gorilla I mean, if the yeah. boy was pushed, that's a whole different level. <laughs> Sorry, I went to a dark place there. It's like, it's like what are you saying? Like, kind of debate. He fell in, yeah. he jumped in, or he was pushed in. Like, <laughs> Rascal chimp wanted to frame their gorilla. This is a this is a scheme. This is a this is a cover up. You know, maybe one of the other animals got jealous of the gorilla made some sort of trip device for little boys and catapulted the poor little boy into the gorillas. Uh, Could be. Could be. <laughs> You're saying no, nothing because you know those Labrador lawyers are listening. I'm just thinking that maybe the... Uh, he may have been captivated into there, like, waving a banana, being like, 
Oh yeah. Come on. Yeah. Come on, wink, Dad. wink. Look. Say no more. Look, I've got a tire swing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and a pond. Ugh. Anyway, poor Harambe. Mm. They shouldn't. They are. Like, who knows? Should they have shot him? Should they not have shot him? Mm. They, they they could have worked around it. I'm sure they could have got this guy to jump in. That said he would jump in. So maybe if he was there. Another gorilla that hit the news, the uh, world's sexiest gorilla. Oh. I don't know if you saw this. Again, another like internet meme about gorilla called Shibani that lives in Higashimiyama Zoo in Japan and just objectively quite a handsome gorilla. <laughs> For humans. <laughs> Even for humans, yeah. yeah. Like, you could look at that gorilla and say, okay, I see the appeal. Yeah. Uh, to people that have, you know, taken up his cause and become mm. like his uh, his fangirls Very. and boys and others. I don't know what makes a gorilla handsome. I don't feel I have that. I'll show you a picture of him afterwards. And mm. just, yeah. So if you just want to look up uh, Shibani, the Japanese gorilla, and tell me he's not a. Yeah, he's okay. He's not a bad looking fella. <laughs> Shibani. <laughs> I don't know if that's his. Uh, Real name, yeah. So there's, there's a there's a pattern here. They they get famous for dying or their looks uh, a lot. Yeah, well, I mean, I do have a few uh, examples of ones that skill based, skill based fame mm. ones. Talent. This next one isn't one of them. Okay. Little Bo Peep. Let's talk about. Hmm. Sheep. Sheep. <laughs> We're not going to edit that pause. <laughs> I might edit just a minute off it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Dolly the sheep was the first animal to be cloned from an adult cell. Oh, yeah. Dolly was the 277th attempt Okay. Uh, Puts puts things in perspective. Yeah, and out of 29 embryos put in 13 mums, only Dolly made it. And do you know why Dolly's called Dolly? I can't imagine anything else than the crazy professor being secretly in love with Dolly Parton. That's more or less it. It's Mm. because Dolly's DNA came from a mammary gland cell. She was named after the country singer Dolly Parton. Hmm. Memory being breast or oh. I guess udder. So it was actually a Dolly Parton <laughs> boob joke. What's <laughs> a boob joke? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Isn't good, that ridiculous? Good old boob jo- uh, jokes. Yeah, classic science, science boob joke. <laughs> like, <laughs> they've gone out, gone out of the fashion a decade or two ago, haven't they? Yeah, I don't know how. I wonder if Dolly knows that. I guess it's not politically correct anymore. Do you think Dolly Parton knows that? If she knows that they've gone out of fashion. No, if she knows that Dolly the sheep is named for her boobs. Oh, probably. Someone told her. Yeah, how do you think she reacted? I mean, if you know, then Dolly probably knows how she reacted. Yeah. I think uh, all publicity is good publicity, I think, for her. Do you think... (laughs) Yeah, I guess, because people refer to Dolly... People talk about Dolly the Sheep and they're like, ah, maybe I'll go listen to some Dolly Parton. Yeah, it's some yeah. sort of secret advertising. Yeah. But off the back of old Dolly, this um, Canadian cult 
called, I think, the Raelians, actually, started this big scam saying that they could um, clone humans now. Hmm. And they scammed uh, people, childless couples, out of their money to pretend to clone animals. Oh, pretend to clone animals. Yeah. They're Raelians who follow a guy called Lord Rael. They just uh, they just went, oh, immediately went, right, okay. We've, we're a secret organization that can clone people now. Yeah. See? That sheep did it. We can do it. Yeah. <laughs> so they only rec- recruited people that looked like themselves? Yeah. Hmm. Well, I, I don't know. I don't know how you tell Aurelian. I guess you just have to believe in Lord Rael. Twins were popular. Yeah. But it's like, also, human cloning is not currently illegal. <laughs> like, I think... There's a loophole. In certain countries, because they're like, well, it's not going to happen. Mm. But yeah, the name of their company was Clonade. Clonade. But really, it's just a big scam. Yeah. Um, and then another thing with Dolly was that I read in a book called Alien Contact by Bonnie Meyer. It suggested that while Dolly's body is a sheep, the soul implanted into her may be that of a different animal. The implanted soul. Yeah. <laughs> The implanted Dolly's implanted soul is not actually a sheep, potentially. Ooh, I'm not entirely sure what that sentence means, but I thought it was quite interesting that again it has made it to the internet mm. <laughs> in a book of all things, like <laughs> in Alien Encounter book, Alien Contact, Alien Contact, and that's very factual. This book, right? Apparently, well, it's mm. a book. Like you can buy it in hardback, like yeah. not in, in you know paperback. Like paperback. it's it's ta- it's a tangible thing if you want it to be. It's yeah. not just not just digital. It exists no. in the uh, <laughs> outside the ethereal. Yeah, I guess it's just me being a bit prejudiced against anything with alien in the title. Yeah, but I I do like the idea that you're like okay, so let's have a think. Need to fill this book with some stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sheep cloning is in the news well, I wonder like do souls just come at random yeah. like are they an alien yeah like where did the scientists get the soul from yeah to give the sheep yeah you know and I just think you know I would never in a million years have thought of that it's a syringe with a soul inside yeah exactly <laughs> it's just I don't know it makes me think that I lack imagination <laughs> 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 one syringe for the DNA, one syringe for the soul. Yeah. Squirt them two together. We're out of sheep souls. Yeah. Just chucking an elephant. <laughs> exactly. Oh no, sorry, groundhog. Just chuck everything's just groundhog works for everything. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like blob types. Yeah. yeah. No, groundhog is the own negative of animal souls. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. And ready for another downer then, Fred? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> We're having too much fun here. <laughs> Do you know who Montecor the Tiger is? Actually, maybe this isn't so much of a downer from the animal's perspective. Montecorn? Montecor the Tiger. Hmm. Do you no. have any famous tigers recently? Mm, no, I couldn't name a single one. I just hundreds of tigers in the Tiger King documentary, but uh, I cannot remember any of them by name. No, it's not that one. It's because he uh, mauled Roy Horn, who was <laughs> half of the famous Siegfried and Roy in 2003. <laughs> so there was 
there was a thought that it was because this this lady startled the tiger in the uh, mm. in the audience, but it was later allegedly revealed that the tiger snapped because one of his testicles got trapped in a stage door. Oh, no wonder. Yeah. And witnesses, <laughs> but this is nice though. Like as he was being taken away, Horn was like, "Don't shoot! Don't shoot him!" Like and saying, "Don't shoot Manticore." Yeah. <laughs> Look at his testicle. And he, uh, yeah, he he was survived. They didn't kill this one. Mm. And he even uh, appeared again with Siegfried and Roy farewell show when they with stopped performing together. Neutered or with intact testicles? I don't know. No, he was not. Uh, <laughs> Not privy to that, unfortunately. <laughs> Teenager manning that stage door. But I think the thing is, like, that's the way you're supposed to handle that situation, right? It's not the Harambe situation, because mm. there's no... It is kind of the Harambe situation again. Yeah. But it's saying that, like, you know, this is not the ever the animal's fault. You've yeah played with fire and you've got burnt. Yeah. You know? Good. Yeah, and these the, the, for once they didn't say no. We've got to kill this. Let's ha- let's fucking hang this tiger. Yeah. Like, I feel the um, yeah, the view on animals has matured quite a bit, and so, somewhere there was a shift there. Yeah. You know that killer whale documentary um, about that that killer whale that kept dragging his uh, trainers on the water. Uh, I haven't seen it. Oh. But yeah, blackfin or whatever. Yeah, blackfish. Blackfish. That was, uh, that was a rough but uh, very good uh, watch. That one they just kept alive after kill after kill. It's crazy. But that was because of, uh, of course, that shed more light about how stupid and horrible it is to keep killer whales in the, in your swimming pool. But that wasn't the intention of SeaWorld by getting all of their killers, their uh, trainers killed. No. That's not what they tried to. <laughs> no, definitely. But uh, it was a consequence every now and then. Well, again, with like, I mean, I haven't researched it, but um, hearing recently about Kiko, the Free Willy dolphin, mm-hmm. or Free Willy killer whale, that everyone after watching Free Willy said, is that whale actually free now? And yeah, everyone yeah. was like, no. And it's like, well, shouldn't we actually Free Willy? Like, and then it just... Uh, didn't go so well. No. They built some sort of special tank to transport it from America. I think, it, I'm not sure if it was the people of, I was, it was, I'm going to go out on a limb here, Fred. I think mm-hmm. the the, peop, the public of Iceland are responsible for this. <laughs> and that they organized the money to get a special plane, or partially responsible, let's say, just to be safe. Um, got a plane specially fitted out so they could transport Willy from the States to Iceland. Mm. Where they tried, they trained it to uh, be a whale again mm. in the old Icelandic method of mm. whale uh, reintroduction. And yeah. then it swam to Norway and got lonely and died. Yeah. It's the loneliness. Another downer. Yeah. But um, that's uh, killer whales for you. There's no happy killer whale stories. No. There's many, but we we're not seeing them. A happy killer whale story is when they play with the dead seal and stuff like that, so that's not as happy for humans. It's very subjective. I hear they are so organized that they can hunt in packs, like they like join 
different clans and families and hunt like 60, 70 killer whales together and work in shifts to keep the tunas up at the surface and stuff like that. I love watching those videos where they work together to knock something off a ice uh, berg. Yeah. And they all collectively make a little wave that makes yeah. it go, ooh, and you just go, the seal, oh. the killer whale, <laughs> who needs to eat, who needs to die, oh my god. <laughs> Law of nature just yeah. tearing us up. But let, let's not talk about nature anymore, let's talk about horses. Yeah. <laughs> Much safer territory. <laughs> I'm going to take you on a journey of famous equine members. Starting with, again, like feeling a little bit down that nobody has ever built a city in honour of me. <laughs> but Bufusilus, uh, Alexander the Great's horse, yeah. got a city built in his honour. Yeah. you got to like a horse a lot to build it a whole city. Yeah, and Alexander was probably dead by that time. I think he may not have seen it finished. Mm. But no, it would have been no because he he was the one that got it built in the honor. He wasn't dead, like mm. he said, "Build my horse a city." But he was like twenty seven when he died, or something. Well, before that, then maybe yeah. when he was twenty five, he got his horse built a city. <laughs> his horse city. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, my dream. <laughs> <laughs> You've been such a good horse. What can I do? Mm. Oh, I don't know. Build me a city. Yeah. Done. <laughs> <laughs> that was easy. What about carrots? Yeah. All the carrots. It'll be a city made of carrots. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Grass everywhere. It's just going to be amazing. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I think. Uh, maybe that was what it was. Then moving on to another famous uh, Roman, Caligula. Yeah. He was around in 41 AD, considered a bit of a crazy fella. And he had a horse that he also liked called Incitatus. Incitatus lived in a marble stall, had an ivory manger, <laughs> collars covered in jewels, oh. and someone even claimed that he ate a mixture of oats and gold flakes. They like their bling back in the Roman. They're so superficial. And just they're giving it to the animals to say, like, yeah, I feed my yeah. horse. Uh, but there was some speculation that he did this to humiliate other senators and elite people around by mm. saying that look this is one of my key advisors I and mean, he's more useful as an advisor than any of you people are mm. so that's why they said that he became one of his uh key advisors was uh incitatus the horse <laughs> all the carrot based laws yeah and then we go into morocco the dancing horse he was just called morocco his name was morocco also known as Banks's horse, and he was a 17th century English performing horse, sometimes referred to as the dancing horse, the thinking horse, or the politic horse. Hmm. A horse who can pick virgins out of a crowd. <laughs> what? <laughs> Shakespeare even referenced this horse in one of his uh, plays. And yeah. in the line, the dancing horse will tell you. Ah. So when they need 10 virgins for, you know fending off the storm then I think they were pull out the horse I don't know if they were past virgin sacrifices at this stage oh <laughs> if, if Shakespeare and such this is Shakespeare's time Shakespeare was a peer yeah of Morocco yeah I guess rival I went to the same gentleman's <laughs> lounge yeah. rival for spectacle though like yeah some level of competition he can dance but can he write 
<laughs> you can actually. Mm. So in I, I can thank a guy called Mick Hartley in his blog for this uh, uh, excerpts that he's taken. Like from the time, it's like this man Banks, the guy who uh, whose horse it was, would borrow t- from twenty to thirty of the spectators a piece of gold or silver, put it all in a bag, and shuffle them together. Thereafter, he would bid the horse give every gentleman his own piece of money again. Another famous anecdote of the time is that Elizabeth I's favourite court jester went to go and see Morocco, and Banks said to Morocco that he should go and get the biggest fool out of the crowd. <laughs> and he he said, go fetch the veriest fool in the company. Um, and I hope it's him. He did. He went and got the uh, the court jester, <laughs> and everyone was laughing at this guy, and he was getting a little bit flustered. Yeah. Like, and I think because he was... You the know, jester. The jester, because mm. everyone just thought it was hilarious. That he said, fine, get the horse to get the biggest whore master, which I mean, I guess is the biggest womanizer, hmm. um, out of the crowd. And then the horse went back to his master and indicated <laughs> him. <laughs> yes, I knew it. <laughs> Love it. Then, like, it gets a bit more scandalous. Like, so while touring in France, these monks accused Morocco of horsecraft and being in league with the devil. <laughs> horsecraft. Disclaimer, I made up the... I made up horsecraft. Oh, great. Great upmating. <laughs> but, well, I don't know, witchcraft didn't seem appropriate. Mm. So as a response to this... Morocco went over and selected a guy out of the crowd that had a cross on his hat, then kneeled before him and then kissed the cross on the guy's hat. And Banks was like, no servant of the devil or practitioner of horsecraft would do such a thing. But it is later speculated that Morocco and Banks were burnt as heretics by the orders of the Pope when they visited Rome. (laughs) Okay. They were not seen after or what? Yeah. Exactly. So and there's then, no other explanation of what happened to Morocco and Banks? Well, there's this little anecdote, right, from some old article that says, but amongst these Tibbets, who do you think there was? Old Banks the juggler, our Pythagoras, grave tutor to the learned horse, both which, being beyond sea, burned for one which, their tr- spirits transmigrated to a cat. <laughs> <laughs> and then we're back to the cat. <laughs> so yeah, it just means that yeah, they were burnt overseas and became mm. cats. Yeah, and their their souls were extracted and put into one cat. But also, it wasn't like the only horse getting burnt at the at the time. Mm. So there was two. There was a horse that learnt how to play cards that was burnt in Lisbon, and I think, but yeah, and then another one in Prague. They burn him for playing too well. Or no, just for being able to. It's like, it's a witch! Oh, yeah, the witchery thing. So it says, In my remembrance, a horse which had been taught to tell the spots upon cards, the hour of the day, by significant tokens, was together with his owner, put into the Inquisition as if they had both dealt with the devil. But the supposed human criminal soon convinced the Inquisition that he was an honest juggler and that his horse was as innocent as any beast in Spain. But this trick, I mean, we've actually talked about it before with clever hands, but this teaching horses how to do things like this seems to be, like, has through the ages. Like, yeah. even in um, our favorite book, yeah. there's uh, 
Lady the Wonder Horse, who was mm. a intelligent horse. What did she do? She could do trick, like tell tell time spell. I can, oh. We can read about her. Mm. She's actually. Uh, I'm gonna. We'll we'll read about her. It's nice a short story. But then the next uh, famous horse is one called Beautiful Jim Key, <laughs> and he was trained by a self-taught veterinarian called William Key. He was an ex-slave and inventor of something called Keystone Liniment. Mm. And so he would travel around medicine shows with his horse. And he says that with only kindness and patience, Jim was educated how to read, spell, and do math. <laughs> Just using kindness and patience. Yeah, positive reinforcement. That's what I always hear. So born in 1889, starting life as a sickly foal, they named him Jim, soon to become the world's smartest horse. So Dr. Key was a liniman salesman, which I think is like snake oil or like <laughs> But I think Christ. Keystone Liniment Liniment is was a legit one. And so him and Jim would travel America selling at medicine shows. Yeah. Selling yeah, liniment. So Jim didn't like to spectate when the doctor was selling his medicines, so he would uh, go and get in on the show. And somehow that translated to Dr. Key spending seven years teaching him the ABC. Um, and how to hear and spell words to the same level of an 11-year-old. And he'd spell just by pointing at letters? He'd pick them up on cards. Mm. Yeah, there's um, there's pictures of him just holding it. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's a really weird picture, actually, because it looks like he's spelling nothing. Like, mm. it says in front of him, Stemlo. Mm. And the only explanation I could have is that he's trying to spell St. Elmo. But oh, yeah. why are you trying to spell St. Elmo? <laughs> like, <laughs> what... what question is the answer saint elmo oh jeopardy what is <laughs> i don't know <laughs> exactly <laughs> where was there a fire <laughs> yeah <laughs> clever horse so jim got his big break when he went to the tennessee world fair so jim key was there and was like i'm gonna take my horse that's impressive enough that people need to see it so President Will, William McKinley met Jim mm. and was very impressed when he spelled his name correctly, but also the quality of Jim's political debate, <laughs> from which I can see from a photo he spelled the word vote, Oh, which is pretty solid for a horse. So, uh, uh, well, it's more solid to spell McKinley, though. But it's a political statement. Vote, don't vote. Mm. Like, by he's being political. I can understand yeah. how you would... Say that was political debate. <laughs> <laughs> so a promoter read about this in the newspaper and offered Jim a job. They went on to draw a crowd of 22,000 people um, in, I think it was 1906, which was at the time the largest uh, crowd for any performance. Oh. Which is pretty crazy. Yeah. Like that level of fame. This yeah. horse was... Up there. Up. Like, and never heard of it. Didn't no. hear of him until I started scraping around the bottom of the internet. Yeah. So Jim had an unofficial rival, Clever Hands, that we've talked about. Oh, yeah, the Deutsch. He was a German horse. Uh, but the thing was that Clever Hands, um, they speculated, could just read body language mm. um, and wasn't actually able to do things if he couldn't see the person that was talking to him. But was but, this tested with Jim? Yeah, exactly. But beautiful Jim Key, Jim Key, it was claimed was not responding to cues. So in order, to so with without this Doctor Snake Oil person in the building, Jim would still perform. Mm -hmm. Hmm. 
So they got a writer to visit, and they showed him Jim's uh, spelling board and other equipment, then introduced him to Jim. So, like, he'd been previously uh, instructed to bring him a treat, mm. like an apple or something. Like, that was what you did when you met Jim. You had to, if you bought him a treat, mm. that was just because he's, I guess, because he's famous, and you have to yeah. bring him an apple. So then... A jewelry? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> a new ribbon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So then, so they they left Jim with the guy, and they left him to it. Um, and then when they came back, it turned out that Jim had refused to answer any of the reporters' questions. And the doctor was like, "Oh, how was it?" And Jim responded by spelling the word "fruitless," <laughs> because the writer had forgotten to give him the a treat. Oh, okay. <laughs> and Jim was being a diva. I don't trust this doctor, though. I don't trust the doctor any more than Clever Hans. Well, the this totally convinced the writer, and then mm. later the president of Harvard was invited to study Jim. And the idea that patience and kindness can be used to elevate the intelligence of a horse was the thesis statement. So they used more or less horse phrenology and other cutting-edge techniques, and they concluded... That unlike hands, Jim's ability was the result of education. <laughs> That's the Harvard conclusion. Yeah, but they like measured its skull and its distance between its eyes and did uh, that like f- weird stuff. It was uh, frowned upon after the 40s, uh, that sort of uh, research. Not into horses, though. <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't think anybody's. You can't be racial with a horse. Yeah, I don't think so. No. Maybe people are super snobby people that only want Abyssinians <laughs> or something. I don't know any other types of horses. Yeah. Mustangs. Um, <laughs> Jim had a nine-year career. He was the most valuable horse at the time, coming in at $100,000 in old money, mm. which I think you should get quite a few uh, carrots for that. Good old money. Yeah. <laughs> Not new money. It was no. way more in new money. Like. <laughs> but he could read, count, tell time, and was considered a comedian and prankster. He would... Yeah, because he would help with the... Syn- with with the liniment sales, mostly doing a lot of, like, falling over jokes. Oh. Uh, like, going, oh my, or whatever. <laughs> like, and he was always flirty with older women. Older women? Yeah. He was also had this trick that he could retrieve a coin from the bottom of a bucket of water. Hmm. And because horses don't usually hold their breath, it's quite tricky for a horse to uh, go into a bucket. And then, so what would happen is he would get his get the coin, and then he would go over and retrieve a uh, towel from his trunk and get Jim to wash his face off. This was part of the act. And then one day the towel hadn't been changed or wasn't clean, and Jim threw the towel on the ground and put his nose in the air as if to say, hmm. And then, uh, yeah, it's confirmed that he later murdered the state hand responsible. Murder? I'm joking. (laughs) Checking I, was if I'm paying attention. I was trying to add edge. <laughs> like, <laughs> again, if beautiful Jim Key's lawyers get in contact, yeah. Jim Key did not murder a stagehand <laughs> for not leaving him a clean towel. Yeah. So after this, he started receiving towels. Hmm. People would send him towels <laughs> and barrels of carrots and stuff. Like <laughs> 57,000 towels. But he also became a figurehead for the, like, at the birth of the American Humane Movement, who were initially skeptical that it was a hoax. He became one of the figureheads. And so after meeting Jim and his bodyguard, Monk the Dog, they started a pledge 
for two million kids to be kind to animals. Oh. And his promotional work led to $700 worth of donations to the beautiful Jim Key Horse Ambulance in Philadelphia. Old money. Yeah, old money. $700 old money for a horse ambulance. Mm. Because I guess back before cars, there were a lot more horses having accidents that needed Ooh. ambulances. I wonder what the number for the horse ambulance was. Nine, nine, <laughs> nine. <laughs> nine, nine, nine. Nine, nine, nine. Probably. Yeah, I think you just yell. You just yell. Get me a horse ambulance. <laughs> Quick, Jimmy, come yeah. in. There's tuppence. Go get the horse ambulance. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like an episode of Lassie. Yeah, like, I wonder how many horse ambulance drivers are there left. Do you think there's any more in the world? No. Yeah, well, maybe. I don't know. I should have looked it up. So, Jim retired at 1906 and passed away in 1912, just as the oh. automobile became massively popularized. So he was like the last gasp of the horse uh, golden age. I like that he got six years post-retirement. I hope it was a happy time. I think Jim did okay. Yeah, didn't got tangled up in drinking or stuff like that. Yeah, I think he may have uh, retired and opened a post office, to be honest. Opened the post office? I don't know that for sure, but just the last note on this page is beautiful Jim's post office. <laughs> but we can neither confirm nor deny yeah. <laughs> that beautiful Jim had a post office. Or was behind the counter. So why not check out one last uh, modern wonder horse? Yeah, we're uh, currently opening our uh, our manual here. The Strange Power of Pets by Brad and Shelley Hansen's Tiger. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, Lady the Wonder Horse. Over 60 years ago, the feats of an apparently ordinary horse that seemed to be able to read, work complicated problems in mathematics, and communicate with human beings served as a major topic of conversation for millions of Americans. Remember? Lady Wonder... A three-year-old mare owned by Mrs. Claudia D. Fonda, Claudia D. Fonda of Richmond, Virginia, was thoroughly studied in 1928 by Dr. J.B. Ryan of Duke's University and Dr. William McDougall, a leading psychologist. For over a month, the two scientists conducted a most amazing series of tests with the seemingly gifted black and white horse. Even with Mrs. Fonda removed from the scene, and with the seat and a screen placed between the horse and the experimenters, Lady was able to pick out numbers in answer to arithmetic problems and to select alphabet blocks to spell out words in response to conversational questions. Huh. So try, maybe trained through kindness. Hmm, yeah. Sounds like Lady was able to carry on dialogue with anyone who desired to question her. Later, Miss Fonda and certain researchers developed a typewriter on which the letters of the alphabet and the numbers 1 to 9 and 0 were arranged in front of the mare. Facing the questioners, not Lady Wonder, the talented horse was able to operate this communication device by lowering her muzzle onto levers that would flip up the letters or numbers to provide the answers to the queries directed to her. So she pushes a button and, and yeah, it sounds very strange. Mm. Such rapid and unerring faculty led Dr. Ryan to conclude that animals were able to read the thoughts of humans via some extrasensory capacity. Here's the twist. She's <laughs> reading your mind. <laughs> in a New York Times article in May 
May 28th, 1928, the writer noted that it seemed a bit unkind to declare Lady a telepathic horse. That makes it seem, he pointed out, that Lady performs her miracles merely by mind-reading, whereas the investigations might prove that she understands English and arithmetic on her own account. It does seem, however, as though Lady's most remarkable attributes lay in her seeming powers of prophecy and clairvoyance. Associated Press reporter Paul Duke was astonished when Lady revealed his name, birthplace, and the correct amount of his salary. (laughs) (laughs) Scandal. (laughs) It is a matter of documented record that Lady correctly predicted the names of the winners in various heavyweight boxing bouts, the entry of the United States and the Soviet Union into World War II, the the President Franklin D. Roosevelt's third term in office. Her only notable miss was when she foresaw Thomas Dewey defeating Harry S. Truman in 1948. (laughs) Asked to explain her inaccurate pronastication, Lady answered, funny, he too sure. I don't know what that means. How's that? Funny, he too sure? Funny, he too sure. Yeah, maybe the the horse thought he was uh, too full of himself. Yeah, I think it's like saying that, you know, ah, so Thomas... uh, Dewey inaccurately predicted it as well. Hmm. That's what I would imagine. Yeah. So some investigators considered Lady's most remarkable feat to be her role in helping to determine the fate of missing children. When four-year-old Danny Manson was lost in Quincy, Massachusetts, on a harshly cold day in January of 1951, the police were unable to turn up the slightest clue of his whereabouts. Family friends visited Lady Wonder and asked the sensitive mayor for her assistance. Lady spelled out Pittsfield Waterwheel, which District Attorney Edmund R. Dewing and his staff of detectives sought out to mean Pittfield Wild Water. When the authorities dragged the field wild quarry, they found little Danny's body. Aww. That is a very confusing sentence, but sorry to hear about Danny. In another tragic instance, two children disappeared near Napierville, Illinois, in the winter of 1952 and 1953. When one of the mothers of the missing children came to ask Lady Wonder for help, the horse went to her typewriter and stated that the woman could find her son's body in the river near their home. Authorities had already dragged the river, and the current consensus deemed one of the two quarries to be the resting place of the children. Great expense was incurred in order to drain both quarries, but the children's bodies were discovered several months later in a nearby river where Lady had seen them. In mid-March 1957, Lady Wonder suffered a heart attack and died on March 16th. A group of about 30 mourners joined Miss Fonda at the funeral in Michael Rhodes' pet cemetery in Henico County. Oh, heart attack. Yeah, I didn't realise uh, it got so dark there at the end. <laughs> but, uh, well, it's just another life. Yeah, so let's just read a really short one. Would you believe talking animals? in a balanced article on animal intelligence the wisdom of animals in may 23 1988 issue of newsweek jeffrey crowley concludes that even scientists who don't like to speculate about consciousness are parting with the old notion that animal behavior consists entirely of reflexes there's too much evidence that animals live by their wits The scientific debate over whether or not cats, dogs, horses, and other animals can employ rational thought processes will continue for quite some time. 
In the meantime, serious pet owners have risen above such mundane academic debates and are claiming that not only can their cat or dog think, it can talk to them. This is, they can actually converse, not just imitate human speech sounds. Hmm. I think that's going to be it, Fred. That's the famous animals? That's famous animals. That's all, as much as I could find. But I have to ask, on behalf of the listeners, Al. Yeah? What about Skippy? Skippy the bush kangaroo. That's what I watched when I was a kid. Yeah, like... No dirt on him? Well, it's hard to get dirt on Skippy. I think when it comes to certain, um, certain people, you just can't defame them. They're too big. Like, why try and besmirch the name of Skippy? Like, mm. I... I think even though like people are aware of a lot of the the grim things that he did it's like he's too big it's like it's like the uh, you see this common narrative like he was the, he was the hero okay he was the white knight happened in Batman 3 Skippy you know where they were like look Two-Face is the great hope of Gotham so we need him oh, to yeah. be the white knight yeah and Skippy is one of those white knights that regardless <laughs> yeah. of like dark past, we have to hold that candle bright because there are so few candles in the world, Fred. And I'm not going to be the one to break the fucking Skippy news. No. <laughs> that kangaroo is sacred. It's sacred. Yeah. It's important to the zeitgeist. Okay, so there's no dirt on Skippy, that's for sure. No, there's no dirt on Skippy. Okay. <laughs> Good old Skippy. <laughs> he was a fine kangaroo. He was the best kangaroo. Yeah, he was. He's our best. friend ever drew. Yeah, but that's it. I'm sorry, Fred. No Skippy. No and you, skippy, and no you're a New Zealander, so this, you know, yeah. how deep this, like, even if it, it's Australian, then still you hold Skippy high. Yeah. Well, mm. Skippy never did nothing to no one, allegedly. No, except save the day just by noodling around. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Skip is solving something. He's all noodly. He's just like, all right, I'm gonna go over here. But I like also. There's no urgency to Skippy ever. What I liked about Skippy though was he sort of spoke English, but you just couldn't hear it. Oh yeah. It's like, what was that boy? Yeah. <laughs> there's no, um, there's no uh, confusion about Skippy's gender. I think kangaroos are asexual. Hermaphrodite. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they have a cloaca. Oh, yeah. <laughs> They're like a duckbill pal- platypus. They lay eggs. They, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I didn't research kangaroos. <laughs> Starting to get the grip of this um, genderless society. Yeah, I think we uh, we did just about make some vague commentaries. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Without intending to. It's a learning curve, even for us. And in yeah. the animal world, you know. Them. Yeah, I mean, does it matter if Lassie's a boy dog or a girl dog? They should have equal rights, you know. Indeed. Bottom line. Well, I'd like to say thank you, Al, for all the great information about uh, the history of uh, fame in the animal kingdom. And um, I am excited to hear what you have for next week. Me too. Mm. <laughs> Deep down in the well we go. <laughs> Thanks in for listening. Well cast. <laughs> Thanks for listening. I will hear. I will not hear anything. You'll hear us next week. Bye. Bye.